Hi, my name is Nick Thompson and I run holisticvet.co.uk. We're based near Bath in England. I'm Dr. Brendan Clark. I'm based at Towerwood Vets in West Yorkshire. And my name's Dr. Connor Brady, the non-vet of the gang from dogsperts.ie. And together we are Raw Pet Medics. <laughs> I always love catching him out. He's just like, what is going on? <laughs> he's, he can't hear us yet because here we go. Just plugging himself in. Putting my gear on. Getting ready. <laughs> phone off. Apologies. We're normally way more organized than this. The heat, friend. The heat. Is that right? <laughs> the heat. Yeah, that's what it is, right? We, we are live. Are they listening to us? Um, well, just a few. I think yeah. most of them think that we're not going to be live. Yeah. So, oh no, look, they're all alive. Tor Hoops. Tor Hoops. That looks like a new name for me, Tor Hoops. Very good. First in. Rachel oh, Mack in fifth position so today, Rachel Mack. She will not be happy with that. Yeah. She will. But Brad, where are you? You are not in your usual uh, studio. Where about you? Their bedroom. No, no. <laughs> oh, looks very Thank sunny. You mounted. Yeah. <laughs> I'm actually, uh, it's probably a little bit echoey, I don't know. It's, no, it sounds uh, I'm good. actually in a place in um, Cornwall, um, near Padstow, opposite yeah. side of the estuary, um, enjoying, thankfully, cooler weather than I would be at home. At ah. the moment, my daughters are doing a sterling job of looking after the goats in just under 40 degree heat. So, Whoa. Um, good on them. Whoa, 40 <laughs> degree heat in... In the higher parts of England, my God. And do you, know, do you know what blessed thing happens? So just before I come away, just after um, I'd been on the last broadcast, yep. did, I tell you, did I tell you about the um, kid? I did. I must have told you about the kid. It must have been just before the last broadcast. I think we're talking about goats, so not children. One of my goats escaped into the male pen back oh. in February. Uh, not not the males escaping into their pen. Yeah. She escaped into the male's pen. And so here we go. All of a sudden, I've now got a kid in late July. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> well, obviously, yeah. one of my, one of my uh, does has now turned into a nanny. Yeah. So she is um, she's currently nursing a newborn at home. With my daughters watching. In the heat. And what do what do what do uh, goats do in the chronic heat? Where do they go? Oh well they just well the good news is the field they've got lots of shelters, yeah. lots of shade, lots of water, you know, so they're able to sort of find themselves where they want to be. So there's none of this out in a baking yeah. field with nothing uh, there. I mean, let's face it. Many people would consider them fairly hardy. You see all of these, you know, what um, thoughts of African countries, Ethiopian with, goats, you know, yeah, goats Kenyan, out. yeah. Uh, but you know, you've got to think. Actually, some of those goats are also under the tree. Yeah, you know, in the absolute heat of the day. Yeah. Um. Yeah, they've got ways of monitoring their heat, and they they actually don't take a lot of water, relatively speaking. They, they um, unlike cows, which take liters and liters if they're milking. Um, you know, the goats aren't so bad. So, uh, yeah. yeah pretty, What's a cow, what about cows and, cows and particularly sheep? I mean, obviously sheep have a lot of their coats removed, but even still, that lower coat would still be um, 
even when it's shorn, would be hot enough. What do they do? Do they shelter away or do they graze during the day? <laughs> no, oh no, sheep. God. Cows and oh. sheep. Yeah. Yeah, sheer goats. <laughs> so they've got rid of uh, their, their winter coats of my goats. So that's yeah. really useful. Um, I did make, uh, because as I was trying to shear the alpaca uh, ready for the heat wave, um, unfortunately, the goat was also delivering the kids. So I was a little bit distracted. Whoa. The alpaca started to get upset because he knew something else was going on. So he was spitting. So he was in a halter <laughs> spitting cool. at me. So I left him with the weirdest haircut ever. Yeah. I do apologize to my daughter. She's, she sent me a photo and said, Dad, what have you done? Yeah. Oh, God, you don't cut my hair. I've something <laughs> I've something of a I've something of a Wallace and Gromit image of you try of this alpaca running down the field and you, whoa, Betsy, slow down. And then eventually <laughs> eventually giving up halfway through. Um do you actually have to restrain the alpaca while you while you or does he just willingly come along for a hairdo? Uh, no, no, you have to, well, he willingly comes along, but he really did not want to have his hair clipped. No, okay. Um, he was, uh, especially when I started with a stripe right up his back, just to yeah. really make him look like a fool. Yeah. Um, and, <laughs> Reverse mohawk. Uh, but anyway, yeah. he was, yeah, first yeah. mohawk. But it's so thick. That yeah. coat is so I thick bet. on alpacas. Uh, you'll notice we are raw pet medics. Um, and uh, we patreon.com is where you'll find us patreon.com forward slash raw pet medics and that's where uh, you can leave us the price of a cup of tea or coffee if uh, you like what you're hearing or if you just feel sorry for us uh, also Nick is uh, in absentee but while he's gone he has given us a video uh, of his beach bum kind of stuff that he's doing and he is talking giving us some cool info on adders uh, which was very news to me, I have to say. We don't have a lot of snakes in Ireland, but I did see a lizard recently, not too far from my home. Little tiny green lizard, which, uh, yeah, so that's a lot for us. We don't have many of these sorts of uh, creatures here in on this island. But uh, so that'll be put up on Patreon. So that's the sort of stuff we're trying to do for Patreon as a thanks to Dad for the help that, you, that you're giving us. So we appreciate all that. So yes, absolutely. Anyway, Connor, mm. tell us what have you had going on because you've had an eventful week. I have. Know, I think you need to share it with the guys. I need out to there. get it out. I need yeah. to get it out. Go on. Um, Go okay. On, vent. vent. First of all, the drama. I was in a little bit of a car accident, and uh, it was uh, it was not nice. <laughs> I think I've been in I've been in a few before where I've been in the back seat passenger, and a couple you know you know impressive enough. But this one was was particularly impressive, flying corner and uh, and pulling out and uh, not great. So a bit of a shocker. But I was more interested in kind of analysing myself afterwards to the kind of delayed shock of it all, where people are asking, are you OK? And, you know, the front foot of the car was in disarray. It's terrible to see, terrible to hear, obviously. And then, you're uh, you know, and you're, you can't get out of the car and you realise your seatbelt is on. But for the next three or four hours, I, I was getting words wrong. I was trying to tell... Uh, my wife Elaine where like there was you know it, it's on top of the um the thing in the bedroom with one thing in the bedroom there's like a bed and a dresser and I couldn't get dresser out it's, it's on top of the not the bed it's not not the bed the, uh, and I couldn't get these words out and I found that very very interesting and people were asking me for days after you included Ben uh, how are you doing and is everything all right and I was thinking I'm grand guys would you like you know I'm Irish you know just bury that deep down don't face your emotions and uh, so I was in a funk. I was in a real funk for four or five days, as Karen Reed will probably testify to. And uh, yeah, strange effect that I could. Um, yeah, it was quite quite a shocker. So 
You had mentioned something to me, Aconite. Tell me why I should be taking Aconite in a situation like that. Oh, so, so really, you know, for anybody out there, especially if you're in an accident and your pets are with you, you know, this, and they seem to be changed after that accident, um, you know, Aconite, just for the shock value, the sudden change, that massive flow of anxiety, Aconite can be a really useful remedy, okay? Um, so see your homeopath, you can get high potencies, but even for those that can't find a homeopath or aren't local to one, a lot of the first aid kits will at least have a 30C um, potency in them. Uh, and it's a really good remedy for shock. So how do we take uh, it? How do we take it? How much of us, like uh, how often? Literally, you can just take a tablet, uh, uh, suck the pillule under your tongue or crush it if you're going to tip it into the side of the dog's mouth or cat's mouth. Um, and literally just let it dissolve there. Uh, for a 30C, you might need to take maybe even up to six doses in that first day just to you know get through. But even if it's a week after, you can just go, okay, I sort of cope, but I'm still having flashbacks or, you know, I'm still, my pets are still changed. They're doing different things and they seem overly scared. You know, just go down to um, looking at twice daily for five oh, days. Oh, that's or interesting. So, okay. Yeah. Um, and that's a, a, an easy way to, to use that. So A-C-O-N-I-T-E, aconite. Okay? Aconite. It's a really useful one. And of course, there is also a really useful remedy um, for those people that like to bury things, okay, that really think that they can cope. Very Irish sentiment, okay. Yeah. And, and actually, it's a, um, a disease that um, does the same thing in its own right, and it buries itself, okay, walls itself off from the immune system, and that's tuberculinum, okay. Ooh. So that can be a really useful remedy. Uh, for those people that really truly bury things okay, wow. to try and avoid that. But they always want to be out. You know, they can be quite outgoing, quite gregarious looking, but yet actually, you know, yeah. they want to escape. But actually, they like to bury stuff. That might be a remedy for you. Well, like, it might be. But like even the, the fact that they call it tuberculosis, because tuberculosis is buried down into the liver, isn't it? Yeah. Liver, yeah, is that it? Uh, yeah. Lung? lung? Lung, it's a lung thing, of course, okay. So, but so, but isn't it interesting that the thing that you know it's buried down there, and so that might be useful for people that are burying emotions. I just think that's fascinating. Who came up with this? Who could possibly, you know, how do you oh, land upon you know, the solution? There are tomes of books writing about this stuff. You know, people say, "Oh, it's all a bit of flim flam," and you know, there's not much research into it. Guys, there are tomes. There are volumes and volumes of people noting down cases and their response to certain um, remedies yeah. uh, and also what remedies do to prove. So, yeah. I mean, it's, you know, it is nowhere near flim flam. There is just so much yeah. stuff out there to Love say, um, you know, look at these provings, we call them, you know, to, to how remedies, uh, cool. remedies will act. So that I can so, always, yeah, would, so that's, would, would it be, would it be useful? So a dog that's been attacked, I just had a terrible case of a dog that had been attacked by a pity in New York. And the pity was holding onto the dog's neck, so a real proper aggressive attack. And that dog in, in mega shock after. And uh, so, would you use aconite then? Is that the sort of is that aconite? Absolutely, aconite is a first line. Arnica is also a really good shock remedy. So where there is actual physical injury mm -hmm. as well as emotional injury, yeah. arnica can be really useful. A lot of people 
don't um, literally see the um, the sort of mental shock of um, uh, arnica as as that bigger thing, but actually it's huge in the remedy. Okay, cool. so never write since an accident. Okay, uh, if it's a, even if it's a mental um, change, arnica can be really useful. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. And that can be a, an attack. You know, as you just described, yeah. um, it can be you know falling off something and you know, having a big bang. It could be, you know, being daft and running into a tree, you know, we've seen dogs that do yeah. that. Um, they're trying to chase yeah. sticks and stuff like that. You know, yeah. it's uh, dealing dealing with down, some bang. dealing with dealing with some terrible news, dealing with some terrible event. You know yeah. what I mean? Where yeah. you're just smashed. Yeah, by absolutely. It. Yeah, things like that. That can really be an emotional shock too. Yeah. yeah. So I didn't take any of those things to be honest. I was like, no, I'll just ignore it and uh, I'll have a gin and tonic. Yeah. And hopefully that's <laughs> so I'm there giving him excellent yeah. advice yeah. over WhatsApp. And what does yeah. he do? Yeah. Ignores me. <laughs> have a G&T. <laughs> and, and now he comes on tonight going, I'm yeah. still yeah. <laughs> so, uh, And then uh, there, was one, there was one other thing, although I, I do want to get to the show, there was one other thing where after we talked about byproducts last week, it was interesting that one of the, what I would consider white coats, one of the um, forefront kind of vets that do a lot of talking for the industry, uh, to the great benefit of the industry and, and possibly themselves, um, it was then talking about the benefits and why byproducts are such a fantastic ingredient for pet food. And I kind of thought, mm, that's not exactly what we said, because I kind of felt that that post came out after we mentioned byproducts. I just wanted to set the record straight, the byproducts in tiny little bits, a little bit of this and a little bit of that from, you know, the extremities, not the end of the world, you know. But for, um, you know, when they list the byproducts that can go into pet food, blood is siphoned off. That's not a, that's not a, a byproduct that goes into pet food. Blood is used in, an, in a myriad of, of industry uses. Uh, so that doesn't go in there. Bone goes for rendering, so that doesn't go in. The good quality organs are gone for food. You know, you're left with with, with you know heads and and arse essentially, and and with with good contents. So it's kind of like how much of that do you want in your diet? Well, like a little bit, not a whole lot. To say it's a really quality ingredient, a little bit misleading. And I did I did find it very interesting that this white coat said after all, wolves go for the stomach contents first. And I thought, oh, how interesting. I said, we're not talking about wolves, are we? Why do we be talking about wolves? Because it's exactly the sort of person that gives out for comparing dogs to wolves. And here they are saying, erroneously, the dogs go for stomach contents. They absolutely do not. She has not got a single reference to support that point. It was rubbish, but it was well shared and well liked by our followers. And I thought, um, I thought that was very interesting. Anyway, Brenda. Yeah, I think we put this to bed, didn't we? Because we said that actually they may go for organs mm -hmm. within... Um, the abdomen, but they don't necessarily go for the gut no, content. Definitely not the belly. And that's the difference. Yeah. Let's face it: that a lot of the meat and animal derivatives are often the bits that they wouldn't be able to sell. Yeah. And, and let's yeah. face it: liver or kidney oh, often go off for resale. Yeah, all so, of you us. Know, all of us. So, yeah. 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 So you're you're left with intestinal tract, yeah. and so they might take small intestinal tract, but to suggest they eat like. We've got lots of videos of cows, of dogs bringing down cows and sheep. They never eat the tripe, ever. They pull the belly out and then they get at the organs, but they never eat the belly. So they don't take the belly away and leave the grass in a pile. Uh, they don't. Hyenas might that I've seen, but I've never seen a video of a domestic dog doing it or a wolf. They just leave it there. It's just full of grass. Who wants that? Anyway, Bren, <laughs> we're talking about hot dogs. Get us started. What's the story with hot dogs? Uh, what sort of dogs can overheat? What are we, who are we talking about here? Yeah, well, look, um, there are one or two particular breeds that we are especially worried about, okay? Um, but in this, for those breeds that are 
within, let's say the UK, you know, where we're experiencing really high temperatures for the UK right now, record-breaking temperatures. Um, and, you know, realistically, those dogs are not really acclimatized, too much like our railways, you know, they're not really acclimatized to working at this temperature. There are going to be some dogs around the world which are much more acclimatized to uh, high temperatures. And even then, those dogs are going to be more sensible about what, what they do. Yeah. You know, in the middle of the day, you know, we're not going to expect them to be running a, a mock, doing, you know, lots of hard work and thinking that everything is hunky-dory and fine. So I think the ones which ha find it hard to heat exchange are going to be the ones where the airways okay. are compromised. Yeah. Okay. So, you know, for the normal panting to happen, you've got to have the soft palate lift out of the way. You've got to have good airflow uh, going uh, through the, the mouth so that they can properly heat exchange through um, the, the tongue vessels. Okay. Um, and we know that brachycephalic breeds, long soft palate, they can't really move it out of the way. The, often the air is diverted away from the tongue so they find it really hard to heat exchange. Wow. They also, you know, if you then run those dogs around um, in the middle of the day, and we're talking about, look, we're not talking about air temperature alone here. So a lot of people got confused when I talked about, you know, between 18 and 21 degrees is optimal. That's all of the textbooks say for dogs in an inpatient environment where they can't control their own temperature. 18 to 21 is the best temperature to keep your clinic at, to keep your ward at, to keep them safe in that environment without okay. having any hyperthermia or hypothermia, okay. okay? So we talk about if they are ill or compromised in their ability to heat exchange and you are above 21 degrees, and then you add into that radiant heat from the sun, yeah. okay? So i.e. you don't give them shelter, you don't give them shade, you stick them out both the sun beating down on them, but also the warmth of the pavement Beating back up underneath them, then you're at risk of overheating that patient. And that is where hyperthermia and excessive heat can be really problematic. Okay. okay. Um, so definitely brachycephalic. So boxers all the way through to bulldogs, um, Boston Terriers, you know, French Bulldogs, all of those breeds. If it's got a squash nose, or if it's got laryngeal paralysis, remember back to yeah, you know Karen's, uh, uh, Karen's coming mm. on and, and talking us, to us <laughs> about laryngeal paralysis. Anything that interrupts their normal heat exchange could compromise that patient in the heat yeah. exchange. So all I asked yeah. was, please, guys, help out your vet. Try yeah. to keep the, your dogs away from the heat of the day, especially between 11 and 4. Everywhere you go on the continent, they talk about that's the time of day yeah. to avoid the sun. Okay. Yeah. And then, you know, for, for those particular breeds, even consider first thing in the morning walk, last thing at night yeah. walk. Okay. Yeah. And if there's ways to cool them down in water, you know, give them. I love a little green turtle um, yeah. sort of sand pit that, that is hard plastic because then you can fill that with water um, instead of sand. And my dogs don't puncture the bottom of it the first time yeah. they dive in yeah. um, and dig at it. Yeah. So they can be really useful just to let them in. I know there's going to be some people out there with pools of their own. 
brilliant you know but in the uk we don't generally tend to have those yeah, no. uh, so give them an opportunity uh to yeah. get into water or to wet them down yeah and i've got some tips coming up on best ways to cool them down um if need be um yeah. in a hurry yeah definitely okay. and like so what's what are the signs like hyperthermia what, what's it do to you what happens when you get too hot i mean what is there any sort of physiology there we need to know about or is it just we all know what happens when you get too hot yeah, so you get all sorts of triggers that happen, okay? Uh, firstly, you know, dehydration, okay? Yeah. So you tend to uh, go into water loss. Um, your body's trying to compromise things. Um, the, the muscles are releasing uh, lots of uh, extra carbon dioxide into the system. You're going to start to get acidosis. Um, you can sometimes get your um, trigger zones of the brain, which uh, affect nausea, to start vomiting. That further acts on fluid loss. Um, and that can mean that the salt levels within your system get compromised. That can also affect you know, brain function, so you can get neurological you know, syndromes with yeah. staggering, even seizures. Um, you, can, you will get um, you know, the consequences of having an acidosis um, and dehydration alone. The organ damage and the pain that can be associated with that um, is... Is, is massive so yeah really really you know it can be heart stopping stuff okay yeah. so um it isn't just uh oh they got a bit hot and they need a fan yeah. on them and yeah. that should be fine yeah. um there are some really interesting things people talk about do they ice the dog okay do they chuck ice on the dog do they um you know cool the skin down with cold freezing water now ultimately if you've got them in a bath of cold water that is circulating and constantly um, cooling them down, you might think, well, they will cool down eventually, and they will. But the downside is, in that initial process, you will shut down their peripheral vasculature, okay, the vessels. And what that means is that they stop heat exchanging through the skin because all the blood is then centralized. So their core temperature stays high wow so they have struggle to heat to, to do the heat loss adequately quickly enough wow to actually better putting on um a tepid water putting fans on them and getting the water to evaporate oh really that's deep. cool that's a great okay. tip so so a lot of people get worried about this whole ice thing you know uh, internal ice okay so that would work would help but you've got a dog that's probably vomiting, probably yeah. got some neurological problems. I don't want your frozen carrot. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Often, often struggling to, to heat exchange through their mouths and panting yeah. like crazy. You're not going to cram ice creams down. Yeah. Now, if it's getting warm and it's got no other symptoms, then obviously giving them something cold to eat is not a problem i've yeah. done a little video i'll post it on facebook yeah you know giving my dog some of the frozen mints oh is yeah not a problem no. okay um it you know they can perfectly happily eat some yeah. of the frozen raw food uh, without any problem absolutely whatsoever. um that's a good way of just giving them a way to, to cool yeah. down um don't overdo it because your body can sometimes try to compensate and then go into this overdrive and somebody reported that that's what dogs would do but generally that's only if it's on a cold day and you give them something cold the body would respond to warm itself up very homeopathic thing to do actually 
okay? How to warm yourself up on a cold winter's day is give yourself a dose of cold and your body will should respond and overwhelm Ooh. that symptom feeling. That's what? Principle. What? So on a cold day, I'm, I'm supposed to eat an ice pop to heat up? If, if your body is working well, you can stimulate yourself to warm up by giving yourself a dose of cold. No way. That yeah, seems that's warmer. A hot so cup of tea. Go out, a hot cup of tea is your answer, surely. For a cold swim. So the classic. So ask those people yeah. to do the cold swim thing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then when they get out, they very quickly yeah. warm up. Yeah. I, I now, actually, this is not about stay in the iced water for three hours. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. No. Hypothermia. I'm getting, get, yeah. Quick dip. I'm, I, I subscribe to that for sure because what I do, uh, uh, if you know, you've got the few bits of gym that you're doing, but uh, is the you know the sauna and the plunge pool, the the, the cold water. And there's a, a study came out there a few months ago uh, from the Scandinavian lady. Who else is going to produce about a Scandinavian? And they're showing why, you know, they love these. Everyone's got a, got a, got a sauna. And so the sauna gets, uh, feels quite hot, you know. So uh, you jump into this plunge pool and she was saying you need to move it around a bit because if you stay stationary, you heat up the water in a film around you. And you need to move it around to keep it cool, to brush that warm water off you, as you just mentioned about the cool air off the dock. So that's perfect. Get rid of that a little bit. And she says three minutes, four times a week is the magic number. And while, yes, it does increase metabolism a little bit, uh, the big thing is the, is the kick in endorphins on two and a half times. And they realize it lasts for hours. So you get this. It's the cold which your body's produced these endorphins and say, you know, you're okay. You're having a good time. You're fine. And uh, But for hours afterwards, and I've seen it working in a couple of my friends who had a few little mental wobbles and into the cold sea, you know, 10, 20, 30 days in a row and they were different people. They were off the things that had been prescribed. So, uh, yeah, that cold water stuff is, is amazing. But for you to recommend that on a cold day, it goes it called completely against my Irish principles of drinking as much hot tea as you possibly can before you leave the house. <laughs> that surely That's is it. it. Uh, on the reverse, on the reverse, this is why in India, drinking hot tea is a great cooling thing. It yeah. stimulates your body. To do all of the things like reduce sweat. My mum says that. That's you know, mad. Fight, fight against it to cool yourself down. So, yeah, yeah, that's you know, funny. Having a, a cup, not 15 cups. Yeah, because I was going to say, my mum's a terrible addict. To, so she right. has to have, <laughs> and she doesn't get the tea, God help you if you're around her. Complete addict for tea. And so like, you know, whatever, five, seven cups of tea a day. And so on cold days, it has benefits. And on hot days, it has benefits. And I imagine that's something like a heroin addict probably says. It's like, oh, it's just great for everything. It's just like, well, it's because you're addicted to it. Uh, so yeah that's so, interesting that, so that ice thing just to go back so just for those people out there something called hormetic stressors are meant to be really in at the moment okay as a way of longevity building longevity for ourselves and as Connor rightly said really there is an optimum probably three times a week that you need a hormetic stressor now cold water Bathing, things like that is a hormetic stressor. You know, Wim Hof, I think, has been mentioned. Wim Hof is amazing. The yeah. um, Check him out on YouTube. You shouldn't do it every day because if you do it every day, your body actually goes into a chronic stress met metabolism. It produces loads of cortisols all of the time. It makes you insulin resistant. It starts to switch off all sorts of mechanisms and flips your whole sympathetic, parasympathetic balance out. So whatever it is, whether it's fasting, whether it's cold bathing, whether it's, um, you know, 
strenuous exercise, yeah. you uh, should limit those. A little bit of what? Yeah. Uh, yeah, a little bit a little, of something yeah, is far a, better for you yeah. than trying to do a marathon every day. Yeah. That's a real stressor. Yeah. Okay. And I think that's what we always do. We always latch on to something. We find something that works and then some people just do it to infinity. And it's like, well, that's probably not uh, the most useful application of that. Um, so so tell me, so let's say I've got a hot dog, Bren. Uh, what are the options for keeping our dogs cool in a hot climate? Yeah, so um, I've got a few things that, I mean, definitely, look, we're talking about beach bum here. I've got, you know, I'm down by the coast, um, put this ages ago. Fortunately, we're actually in one of the coolest spots of the UK right now because uh, we've just had some rain flush through and it's just cooled things down. So we're back into the low 20s. So Lovely. that's all good. But, you know, um, taking my dogs down for a swim early morning, late evening. Um, I've got a little video I'll post of them. In fact, I think tonight I posted my dogs um, swimming late last night. Um, and, uh, yeah, think about that. Do it safely, okay, if you're going to take your dogs for a swim. So really interesting. Favourite dog toy for Artie. And um, we saw that yesterday morning get sucked under by a riptide so wow. really guys be careful wherever you are okay um just check what's going on it's a, a great surfing beach it was but they you know the tide was going out and literally just just went under the water as it's thrown in and you know not six foot from where i was because i was just testing the water and literally saw the tide just suck it out underwater so immediately put the dogs on the lead, out of the water, you know, we're not going to take them swimming there. So be safe wherever you are. Be warned, you know, there are some of those, even if they're really good swimmers, my dogs are, you know, they, they will swim and swim and swim. They're really good swimmers. They have a, I will not risk them in that environment. Labradors have webbed feet and a big oar-like tails because that's kind of what they're kind of designed to do. But that's it's a different animal when you're getting sucked out and uh, he's just trying to get in, you know. So you can't tell him no swim to the side, Artie, and all the other instructions <laughs> that he might benefit from. But uh, yeah, so uh, they <laughs> are just swimming don't breed, but don't risk it. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Mm, okay. Yeah. So, uh, so that's one thing I would definitely say: early mornings, late evenings, get them in water if you can. There's another great uh, person who um, does a lot of posts from the Lake District. Um, so it's Max in the Lake District and he's got Spaniels, you know, fortunately blessed with rivers everywhere. You know, even if it's those safe rivers that you can just get them into, let them cool down. I think anything like that is really good. Yeah. Water in your back garden, if you don't have those luxuries nearby, um, is also great. I, I, I thought it was very interesting. I just wanted to pick up a comment that Karen mentioned earlier. Karen Reed has got a very interesting uh, syndrome. Would you call it a syndrome, Karen? Uh, where she... She gets an anaphylactic shock response to cold. So she goes into cold water. She she has had two or three times in her life an anaphylactic shock to it, which is more the extreme end of your allergic response. All allergies pretty pretty dramatic, let's face it. But this is where, you know, this is the proper uh, scary stuff. And she's had that two or three times in uh, response to cold water. So it's not just hot we're talking about. But on the opposite end of the spectrum, you can have people uh, like Karen, and I'm sure she's not on her own, that have this kind of response to cold as well, which I thought was was very, very interesting. And in relation, you actually mentioned earlier about dogs eating cold as well, eating cold food. Guys, over in Australia and a lot of the hot countries, I'm sure in Texas and all sorts of places that are used to way higher temperatures than we are, 
cold and frozen food is a very big part of these dogs' diet. They can handle it. It takes much more energy energy to digest a cold meal, but for sure it's going to cool you down. It's going to take away some of that heat from inside. Small amounts of it. If you're, you don't need to give your dog a kilo frozen food, but you know a frozen duck neck will just be no problem to my cocker spaniel who enjoys it because my duck necks come in a flat bag. I smash them over the ground. I've got individual duck necks into the garden. So they can have those frozen items. And there's a million cool little treats you can make you know, you, where you make um, cool ice cubes where you can fill them up water or broth and you can put one little treat in it. People are filling up like uh, plastic drinkable cups or cardboard drinkable cups and they put water in and two or three treats where the dog has to break apart the ice to get at the one or two or three treats inside. All those are perfectly good solutions. If you type in ice cube dog treat ideas and go natural yogurt with little bits of flavor and a blueberry, like incredible stuff. Uh, but you know, it, silicone paw print. Yes, yeah, has, has to be oh, has to be print and bone shaped, or the dog won't <laughs> yeah. know what to do with it. So, uh, but they look divine. So, uh, and the, all that stuff is great for dogs. And there's the doggy ice pops, great uh, products out there that come in the freezers of supermarkets, and they've got various names where they make these doggy ice pops. But guys, there's no. It's very simple stuff. If there's a banana and peanut butter one, it's yogurt with banana and peanut butter. It is not some you know amazing kind of uh, scientific stuff behind it. It's very simple. Uh, so you can make this stuff yourself and your dog would absolutely love it and you definitely can't beat it frozen on hot days small amounts you know feed right for the type and all that Great. stuff brilliant so look forward to seeing some of you guys on friday um and uh, we're back next week with q a so it's q a yeah. week next week so i think yeah. we're all back for that aren't we so we yeah, three we're of us. Strength. Um, yeah keep an eye out for um uh, nick's uh, video that's going to be posted on the facebook page for um other treatments um and uh that side of things and uh yeah great to see you all enjoy yourself keep cool guys hope you stay safe cheerio